In a world where radio stations are ten a penny... Can I have ten radio stations, please? That'll be a penny, love. Thank you. There is one radio station... There can be only one. There can be only one. There can be only one... ...that stands out from the crowd. I want that one. All right. What is this thing? It's River Radio. There can be only one. One that's made entirely out of syrup. <laughs> well, good afternoon and welcome to River Radio. And now it's time for Uncorked. It is. With me, Kath. And with me, the Bryski. <laughs> the Bryski. Taking on a whole new moniker today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, what are we doing today? Do well, doing today? we have got. Do you know what? It's explosive today. It's explosive, I know. Yeah. We're talking yeah. about volcanoes. We are talking about volcanoes. Now, some people might be thinking, what on earth is Brian talking about? Volcanoes. We're going to be talking about volcanoes and the soil so, uh, and yeah. and why it's good and why it isn't good and yeah. things to do with the volcano soil. And the whole volcanic wine movement. Ooh. Who knew there was a volcanic wine movement? No, I didn't well, what know What else? That. What else are we going to be looking at? Do you want me to do this word? Well, yes, because it's a certain wine built uh, that's built, that's grown on a volcano, yep. but I'm not even going to attempt it. It's Norello Mascalese. Oh, actually, actually I'll, have, I'll yeah. have a go. I'll have a go. Go uh, on. No, go on, say it again. Norello. Norello. Mascalese. Mascalese. What's yeah. wrong with that? Easy peasy. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. So, you know. And then, finally. Menu match. Menu match. Now, this will be an interesting. hungry. It would not be a Thursday if I did not leave here absolutely famished. Yeah, wanting a pack of Monster Munch or crisps of some sort. Might but grab some on the way to the car. This is going to be an interesting one because, it, you know, you... I I have learnt that what you do is you actually, you match a lot of the food from the area it's went. Now, I don't know about you, but not much cuisine is on a volcano. No, but Sicily is Italian and Italy is the home of amazing, amazing food from top to bottom. All right, then. So we can look, we look at Sicilian cuisine in general. All right, then. So So I'm actually, we can go to a place this time and start matching that way. And then you can form a framework the foods that you can match with it. Fantastic. We'll yeah. be hungry. Looking forward to it. But it's time now to dive in. Dive in to River Radio. And off we go, Brian. Off Volcanic we go. wine. So volcanic wine then. Now, the first question is why? Why would you want to um, use volcanic sort well it's, it's more ash than anything else, isn't it? Well, no, no. This is the thing. Right. It's not. Right. So volcan- volcanic soils are everywhere. They can be really, really recent. Mount Etna being a good example where even this March there was a significant eruption, <laughs> like proper live volcano eruption. But also all over the world there are pockets of ancient volcanic soils that were obviously had a volcanic past. They had an explosive past. <laughs> well, haven't we all? <laughs> exactly. And they're literally everywhere scattered all around the world. Now, the thing about them is they're quite diverse, they're quite different they have different grape varieties grown in them. So then the question is, what makes them all similar? And obviously the types of soils or elements of the types of soils make them quite similar. Um, but also the styles of wines that start to be produced have things in common. So strictly speaking, I mean, there's lots of different volcanic soils and volcanic soils in the most sim- simple form are igneous rock. So igneous rock is a magmatic rock, apparently. I disappeared down the most geekily glorious rock hole 
this week. Did you? Yep. The children are saying, Mum, food. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm looking at magmatic rock. Magmatic. Yep. And there's loads of nuance there, but basically it's formed through the cooling of magma or lava. And how it's cooled and the pressure it's under when it's cooled dictates the type of rock. So pumice, for example, good old pumice stone that you rub your heels with in the bath. Yeah. That's igneous rock. But it's not formed under pressure and it's cooled rapidly. So it's the opposite to something like granite, which is formed under pressure and is a volcanic rock. Right, okay, because so, clearly... So, so one sinks and one can float. Yeah, okay, sure, but clearly um, granite, you can't grow much in granite, can yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, lots of granite. Gra- really? Yes, like, yeah. like a slab of granite? Granite, well, it's not exactly a slab of granite. It's often decomposed granite, or it forms part of the bedrock, and it influences the soil. So granite is... An igneous rock, but it contains lots of quartz and silica and mica and feldspar. So those are, you know when you see your granite worktop and see those glittery bits? Yep. Those are elements of quartz in it. And that's one of the things, and it's, it crystallises under significant pressure in the Earth's crust and the Earth, low, low down, deep in the Earth, under massive pressure, slowly magma or lava cools, and it forms granite. Wow. And it's because of its pressure, you get a very hard, dense rock. And then the other form of rock you see quite regularly is basalt, and that's a lava-based rock that's actually quite lime-rich. It's also got lots of calcium, magnesium and iron in it to varying, quant- or varying, varying quantities, but it doesn't have very much quartz. So it's very diff- it forms a different style of rock to, to granite. And the last one is gneiss. <laughs> I know. I think it's gneiss. Some people call it gneiss, but I think it's gneiss. <laughs> or nice, even. We've dropped the G. Yeah, I was just um, thinking of some and bad that's puns actually, for that. This one was really cool. So basically, it's, it's a bit like granite, but it's been formed through eruptions. So it's metamorphic rock because it's the metamorphosis of granite as molten magma into lava. And this slightly blew my mind that actually you can, in the Earth's crust, get something hot enough that rock becomes molten. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. That would be all that lava stuff. But, okay, okay, I've got a couple of questions then. Go on then. Just, just going back a tick. First question is, so this um, volcanic um, soil, whichever it might be, it, it's obviously not just the volcanic stuff. It's a mixture of other bits and pieces yeah. as well, like, like, yes. like the, the chalk was. The, you know, yep. it's not just simply just chalk. Like, exactly. Yeah, so there's other bits and pieces in there. Um, but the question is, what, what difference? So if you've got granite and quartz and stuff like that, that, to me, even in, even in its smallest, minutest molecule-type thing, yes. isn't going to actually sort of dissolve in any way for, the, for, for a plant to absorb nutrients, whereas, you know, moss or or just normal soil i can see why you know with water it comes you get a little it it sort of dilutes it a bit and the plant sucks it up and gets all the nutrients so the thing is it's it's often layers so you have topsoils and subsoils and then you have a bedrock so that's part of it but also i mean you can go to places in the world like south africa where you get a decomposed granite and you can pick it up and crumble it in your hands so strictly speaking it's still a volcanic soil and it's still formed from granite but it's massively weathered and because it's been weathered over the years, it slightly changes its form. Um, and things like um, gneiss, 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 or basalt can also have sedimentary rock elements where there's been erosion and that's also come into the equation. But strictly speaking, they are very high in, in minerals. They're not high in nutrients, but they're high in minerals. And as we've talked about before, vines seem to do well in pretty rubbish soil. Mm. You don't want it to be too fertile, basically. So you want them to struggle so their roots go deep and they have to fight and then they produce good, strong What fruit. would happen if, you, if, you, if the soil was, like, really fertile, great soil? What, what, what would happen to a vine? Would it just overgrow? 
it's controlling the vigour becomes an issue, yeah. So you can get lots and lots of foliage and you'll spend an enormous amount of time trying to build up or control the foliage so that it makes enough energy go to the grapes to ripen the grapes rather than just create beautiful leaves. Or if it is controlled in that way, then you're more likely probably to produce things like table grapes rather than wine grapes where you want to have a sense of tension in the wine. Okay. But if you think about it, there are some benefits possibly to a volcanic soil in that they the thing they do have in common so although they can be mixtures of different things and they can be parceled everywhere around the world um they usually have different minerals but the minerals are usually in good balance which is good for the vine because it needs those minerals um you usually have very free draining soils so they have a lower water retention so in areas that could be obviously not great if it's Mediterranean to a certain extent, but then you've got altitude and things that come into play. But it can mean that you, you don't have things like clay. So varieties that don't want to be wet and have wet feet, they will do well in a soil that's sometimes volcanic. Low inorganic matter, but this also means that often the grapes are really small and the yields are slightly lower because they have to fight harder to survive, which can lead to more concentrated grapes because they're smaller so that that sort of relate ratio of pulp and skin and fruit and flavour becomes more concentrated. Yeah, Okay, okay, I yeah. got it, I got it. So the, the second question um, that, that I had right off the bat Go on. was, why would anybody in their right mind want to make or, or grow a vineyard on Mount Etna that <laughs> is, very good question. you know, once in a while, well, no, it's, is it's, it not it's, just it's, wiped out? Well, no, that does happen. And I've seen pictures and videos sent by winemakers where there's, there's lava going through the vineyard. So not a vintage yeah. year? So lots of, most places, they're not. Well, no, they still produce wines. You know, it's astonishing, yeah. So you still, obviously, lots of places all over the world have volcanic soils and they're obviously not live volcanoes so they're benefiting in a different way so yeah why, why mount etna well historically they grew grapes there and as a human race we're quite a stoical bunch we seem to just you know knuckle down get on face adversity and keep going well we did we've always done it like this so exactly. we're gonna do it like this again yeah exactly so even wow. in france you've got lots of volcanic soil pops up places like the beaujolais the Languedoc roussillon down in the south and provence the auvergne um, which is near um, Cap Ferrand, so the home of Michelin tyres. And um, other places, I suppose Alsace, they have volcanic soils, but Alsace is the most crazy patchwork of soils. So today, Fiona, who we had on a few weeks ago, she's doing decanter judging and she's doing Alsace. Wow. Just made me think of her then. Um, just yeah. A c- completely random question. Go this. On. Okay, you just mentioned um, where they make Michelin Tires. Yeah, so well, the Auvergne. The Auvergne. In France, that, that yeah, Cap Ferrand. They, they make those, there's a lesser known wine region. It's not very easy to get to. No. Yeah. But it's not, it's not where they get Michelin stars. It didn't come no, no. from that. I think that, was, I think that was the Michelin Guide. So they probably sponsored the Michelin Guide and it became Michelin Star Restaurant. Was the Michelin Guide anything to do with the tyres? Probably the same company. So it is the tyre company, basically, Michelin Star is. Yeah, I guess it's like sponsoring something. Wow. And it's become a thing. An it institution. Has. We, might have to, we might have to investigate that further for next week, Brian, oh, just to make sure our story's been, straight. Yeah. Could have been Kath's question, killer question, couldn't it? I've got one. <laughs> not an expert on restaurants. I like eating in them, but I'm not an expert <laughs> on them. So other places, obviously, Greece is fa- Santorini being the obvious choice as a volcanic island because it is a volcanic island and it's quite famous for its calderas, so the extinct volcanoes that you see around the coastal areas of Santorini. Um, obviously, Sicily, at Mount Etna. Mm-hmm. But also, if you go over to Campania... They grow vineyards on, there's vineyards grown on the foothills and the slopes of Mount Vesuvius, which is obviously, was quite a famous volcano for erupting and destroying stuff. Yeah. Well, you learn about that in history, don't you? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I've heard of that one. Yeah, Mount yep. Vesuvius. But Sardinia is also a volcanic island. There's lots of volcanic soils in Sardinia. But even in the Veneto, in Suave, 
sort of heading up to the north of Italy, you have volcanic soils. So one famous vineyard is the Calvarino Vineyard, which is owned by Pierapan. But there, the volcanic soil is layered with strata of limestone, which gives a very distinct character to the wines. They've got both, I guess, chalk in one of its forms, um, limestone and and volcanic soil. So you do see quite a few vineyards around Suave being planted on volcanic soils. Mm-hmm. Lake County in California, which was a new one to me, it, that one had passed me by. And the Sierra Nevadas are also volcanic in California, and there's grapes grown in those areas. Um, Oregon, yeah, which kind of makes sense because you're not too far from the Cascade Mountains, but a mountain and a volcano aren't necessarily the same things. Um, Portugal, you get it, and obviously the Canary Islands. So it's I was the Azores just about to ask, yeah. Yeah, the Azores are all quite... So volcanic, can- and obviously the Canary Islands, Tenerife, Lanzarote, they grow wine there. And I mean, everyone talks about the lava fields. So which, which wines do well in this type of soil then? I mean, I know the, um, the one that we mentioned right at the top. Yeah. That name, the Nirello Mascalini. Yeah. But what else? Like in, um, uh, I don't know, Canary Islands, what, what, do they, what does well there? They'll have indigenous varieties, but I mean, things like Suave, they're planting things like Garganega and... So sometimes it's indigenous, it's what people choose to plant. Sometimes they're unique varieties, like the Norella Ascalese. I mean, places like Italy and Spain, lots of the varieties that are planted are indigenous to the country of origin. Um, but obviously it's things like Gamay in the Beaujolais is what's predominantly planted, so it's a red grape variety. And so the varieties and the styles of wine are utterly diverse. They are completely diverse. There is just about everything you can imagine um, under vine, possibly grown on volcanic soils. But one th- it's more the characteristics that the wine then takes on that sets them apart from the same grape variety grown in non-volcanic okay, so, soils. So what would those telltale signs be then? What, what might you expect? Okay, so first thing you expect, we said, concentrated flavours. Grapes are usually not massively overripe because there's, we're looking at lower fertility in the soil in general. Um, people often talk about those saline salty characteristics um, and that you often get a savoury it's controversial, but mineral component as, a bird, as opposed to just a fruity character to the wine. So people think spicy notes, slight smokiness potentially, maybe. Um, you can love this umami savouriness. Umami. Yeah. I, like I always that. think of Marmite now when I say umami. I just like that, that the umami. word. Umami. 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 And sometimes a rich, earthy character. So there's usually an underpinning to the fruit character of the wine with just more complexity. Uh, and that seems to be one of the prevailing characteristics when the wines are made well, is that they just automatically, even at a more entry level, you seem to get a little bit more complexity. But because they're often quite difficult places to grow in, they're not always going to be the cheapest wines. Yeah. Okay. In reality. Okay. Just, just um, you know, you know me. I like to sort of bring it down to my level, which yes. is knowing pretty much nothing. So when you <laughs> when you say stuff like complexity, what what does that actually mean? It, it so means there's, there's the not one distinctive you, character. There's lots. There's of lots of things happening. So when you pour that glass, you pour your first glass and you smell it and you smell that smell straight away. Do you remember when we tasted the Bacchus? Mm-hmm. When you went back to it, it started to change with some air in the glass, and you were getting other flavors. So it didn't just smell suddenly like a Sauvignon. There was something else going on. And you start picking out different fruit characteristics or other sort of nuances. And that's when I suppose there's a degree of suggestion because someone could say to you, "Yeah, oh, I can taste X. And you go, oh, yeah, that's it. And it's just sometimes you're pointed in the right direction. But often it's the wines keep evolving and changing. But from the outset, there's just a little bit more going on. And sometimes it's wines that you might love the smell of, but it's harder to pin down exactly what you're smelling because there's lots of little things happening all at once. And that that is actually... And the same when you taste it. Yeah, and that... that 
actually is one of the joys of of trying really great yeah. wines. It's like they, they, they do evolve and they do give you different things. And yeah. depending on what you're eating with them, you just experience something different rather than getting your, your, yeah. your five pound something from the supermarket. Exactly. And, and it's not really ever going to do much, is it? Yeah. And even if you, you don't have to sit and make copious notes or anything, but you just no. taste it and think at the beginning, what does it taste like? And then when you go back to it, you go, oh, it's changed. Yeah. And that's usually a good sign. It shows the wine's evolving and changing in the glass and it will grow in complexity. And sometimes complexity builds with time as well. So as wines get older, there's more layers of nuance and flavour as the fruit becomes more savoury. But in theory, with a volcanic wine, you've got that from the outset. Do you know what? It reminds me a little bit of, of me. Uh, over time, just more complex and more layers, more yeah. depth to it. Yeah. A bit like me. A bit like you. I don't think there's any depth, is there? No, there's loads of depth. You've got <laughs> hidden, hidden secrets yes. beneath the surface, Brian. That's right. So, um, okay, where were we up to then? We were going through the sauce. Did We've we get through the sauce? We've got through the sauce. Yeah, things like pumice, basalt, gneiss, um, and obviously granite. And then you can get combinations of that. Um, and other soils obviously come into play as well. And the thing that I found crazy, I, I love it. I love it when I research things that I just thought, oh, no, I'll just, I'll just veer off and have a little bit of a look at where volcanic activity occurs and how it could have occurred in the past, because that's the sort of thing that I do when I disappear off down a rabbit hole. And they said you have, I love this, they said you can have volcanoes in convergent zones. So this is where tectonic plates, usually three or four, are coming together at the same time, and they push together, and obviously they push a volcano up, and magma goes bubbling up from the Earth's surface. And there's lots of these in the Americas, so places like Chile, so I, Colchagua Valley, if you're thinking about wine, or Maui, for example. And then they have divergent zones where the tectonic plates are doing the opposite. They're basically spreading apart and it gives a chance for stuff to come up from the Earth's core. So I guess the first one, it's a big rush of plates coming together and every, the energy forces stuff up. And the other one, it's spreading out so it can leak through. Mm-hmm. And I thought so basically two opposite places. And apparently the Azores in Portugal is an example of divergence of tectonic plates. But the one that made me laugh the most were hotspots. Oh, crikey. Hotspots. Yeah. And as far as I could glean, no one knows why hotspots happen. It's not necessarily a divergence or a convergence of it tectonic plates. Just, just a little weak just, part. I guess. And Tasmania is a place where you have a hot spot. Oh. I wanted to know what Etna was, but I guess it's an island, So, and it's been there for a while, so it's... What do you think? Do you uh, think that would be a, the uh, convergence, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think convergence. I would you? say, with, yeah. a, with, an, with a little bit of a mountain yeah, and an island. Yeah, so that's how volcanoes are formed. So it's strictly speaking, we could get new volcanoes. Oh, I'm sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, most of the... So now we need one in your garden, so you can grow at altitude and make volcanic ice wine at altitude. Well, do you know what? There were some little bumpy bits, so it might be happening. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, because most of the uh, that convergence, uh, well, most of it, a lot of it does, of course, happen under the sea. So the top of, like, the biggest mountain on Earth is probably under the Atlantic and is just a tip of It's crazy. So you have prominence and peak, and they're different... Oh, and now we and we don't want to go down that because I remember spending an evening when I was skiing with a friend. There might have been some wine involved, and neither of us could fully understand the difference between the two. We were like, "Yeah, we're, our brains just aren't wired for this." Yeah, 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 yeah. If, if, if you've just joined us, you are listening to your <laughs> weekly <laughs> uncorked. Believe ge- it or not, it is about geography wine. lesson, and today we're looking at volcanoes, tectonic planes. From the two least qualified people to talk about geography, possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, there we go. Okay, so um, again, it, it, it's always fascinating to me that the vines, they do like to, or they do well when they have to just work a little bit harder, a little bit of stress, and yeah. actually works well for wine, not table grapes. They want something a bit more yeah. nutrients-rich. 
Yeah. Got it. You want, you want a small grape. Fantastic. Yeah. What's coming up after this next song? We're heading to Etna. We are going to so head we're to going, Etna. We're heading to a live volcano. We're going off the beaten track, track, aren't we? And we we're going to tell you all about um, Norello Mascalini. And um, nearly, what, nearly. It, what it goes with and what to expect from it and where you can get yeah. it and all that yeah. great stuff there. Well, I think everybody's listening to River Radio, aren't they? Yeah. Uncorked. Uncorked. On a Thursday. On the web. Oh, don't go anywhere. <laughs> Oh, dear, she's not real. 
Soundtrack to Life in the Thames Valley. River Radio. On the web. To the Batmobile. Let's go. On your mobile. Hello. And on Alexa too. River Radio. That's it. Hmm. I pronounce that River Radio, but I'm always working on how I say things and I might not have it right. <laughs> well, welcome back. That was Damien Rice with Volcano. I we went quite literal. I did wonder what on earth we yeah. were listening to. It was, a bit, it was a bit out there, wasn't it? It was a bit out there, It yeah. was it's like a, a Saturday night after a festival and you're chilling, chilling looking yeah. at the stars and putting yeah. on a bit of that. In our little hotbox, we need that. We do. In we the River really, Radio really sauna. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> anyway, are we going off the beaten track? We are going off the beaten track, yes, we are. Oh, well. Do you think we should go off? Let's All the way off the beaten track? Let's do it. Let's go let's off. Let's go it. So we have the right temperatures in Sicily, I think, don't you? Oh, I think we do. It's give, it, not only have uh, we got the music to go off the beaten track, we've got the temperature in the studio here to do. be on a volcano. It's about yes. right. We, we are we're in our own little Marlow volcano. We are it's indeed. absolutely perfect. But anyway, we're heading off to Etna. So Sicily and, and Etna. So mm-hmm. Sicily. Okay. Have you been to Sicily? Um, do you know what? I did so much travelling when I worked in the tourism industry that I probably have, but I can't remember. I can't remember. So, when did you work in... Tu- oh, yes, you told me. You, went, you were on cruises and things, weren't you? I did cruises. I did the holiday hotels all around. Yeah. Um, for they all just like blurred after yeah, a while. Yeah, absolutely blurred. Yeah. How long did you do that for? Oh, goodness. Um, I probably worked for about six or seven years in the tourism industry. Wow. Yeah. It was, like, was it like permanent summer? Um, well, no, because uh, the summer was summer, especially in the Med. Um, oh, so you didn't sort of go to a different hemisphere to seek more? I didn't. Uh, all the, all, unfortunately, all the people who went to different hemispheres um, came to Brighton, where we had the massive big training courses and um. things, and then they all went off to these lovely places, and I got stuck with flying around to... Uh, There's worse things. Yeah, there are worse things. Yeah, I but think I, you quite like it now. But I'd love to go away, yeah. get away now. <laughs> maybe, much... maybe on the getting away side rather than the working side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wouldn't that be nice? But anyway, Sicily. So, obviously, small island off the coast of the south coast of Italy. So, just off the foot. It's like the football, isn't it? Basically, it's the football. Yep, yep. that's Sicily. And it's rather glorious, really. But it has a big volcano in it, which obviously, and it's a live volcano, as we said, it erupted this year. It seems to erupt quite frequently. Yeah. So it's got quite a lot. They call it seismic activity. Is that the phrase? I think it, I think it is. You think it is? Seismic. Yeah. <laughs> but on the slopes of Mount Etna, they grow a number of indigenous grape varieties, um, one of which is Norella Mascalese. We'll probably come a little bit further on another red grape variety called Norello Capuccio, um, or Capuccio, but they also do things like um, Caracante and Caterato, and they have other indigenous varieties that are grown not on Mount Etna. But these ones are specific to Mount Etna, and one would assume that they grew there initially 
rather than just being planted there. They were sort of indigenous to those foothills. So Norella Mascalese is high, nowadays highly regarded, but probably 10 or 20 years ago it was less highly regarded by the um, wine fraternity. Okay. But it's a dark skin variety, obviously with its name, and it yeah mostly grows. There are other places, but it mostly grows on the volcanic slopes of Mount Etna. Right, so it's a red? It's a red, yes, but it makes rosé too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so they've been, as I said, it was very unpopular before, but there's been an upsurge really in the last why, decade. Why, why was that? Do you think? What? What was just snobbery, or was it actually I think not in done terms very of well? Bit of both, possibly. People didn't really know it. It wasn't really being exported. So if you didn't taste it, you didn't know it was good. And I think probably wasn't being made as well as it is now. And since it's been discovered by sort of a new wave of winemakers who've realised the quality that it can produce. And and sorry, just going back, it's almost going back to a, a question I asked right at the top of the um, of the show, but how many of those vineyards on the actual slopes are replanted new ones or are actually old and have been there for some time? Um, I'm imagining they get destroyed once in a while. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there's a mixture. There'll be a mixture of things. Some so sort some of, of 50, them are, 60 years old. So yeah. some of them have lasted okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I don't know whether, and I would be interested to discover this actually, whether there's a particular, there's a path for the lava flow that so is more it, common and it, it can spread depending on the level of eruption or whether, you know, so they're slightly safer places. Yeah, that's what I would imagine. I imagine one bit gets the lion's share of all the lava, yeah. the magma. But I, mean. I have seen photographs of it passing through vineyards, sort of, Oh, burning, bad, bo- boiling lava, sort of cooling and cracking with the red underneath it, moving through vineyards. Oh, I bet you get a bit of complexity with those vines. It's a bit, it's, it's slightly mind boggling because obviously, if you actually have a volcanic eruption, you've obviously got the volcanic soils that are deep down from a volcano that emerged a long, long time ago. So they think that some volcanic soils, particularly things like granite, could be 3.8 billion years old. Mm. So that's quite old. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So you've got the really ancient, ancient soils down below. And then you can have soil that was less than a year old that can be the form of the ash that's fallen from the sky because obviously that's part of the soil and part of the landscape. So you have a combination of sort of aged ages of soil all in one place, which is quite unusual. Yeah, that's it. Because the ash as well, obviously that's going to be a great influence. It's not just the lava that then cools and does what it does, yeah. but the ash in the air... Which is how they, isn't it Mount Etna where there was that whole village was sort of preserved, people were literally doing their day-to-day that, things. Then that was Vesuvius. Well, was that Vesuvius? That was Vesuvius? But that was because yeah. of the ash, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I guess the burning ash falling and the lava flow coming through. Because I don't think, lava doesn't seem to move very fast, but I guess it depends on the eruption. And if you get like the, the stuff that erupts out, yeah. then it, I suppose it can cause fires and things as well. Yeah, I bet it can. Yeah. Anyway, so you get both of those things with it. So you get these different soil types. Um, But it's quite a good grape variety because it tends to produce wines that have a nod, a slightly more warm climate nod towards something like Barolo, so Nebbiolo from northern Italy, or even Pinot Noir. So it produces wines that are quite fleshy and taut, but you get sort of these mineral, savoury undertones, a little bit of herbaceousness and an earthy nuance, but you also get lots of sort of nice red fruit. So it produces wines that sort of sit within that spectrum. Mm. Yeah, so it's quite nice, really. And it gets its name yeah. from the Mascalese Plain, or the Mascali Plain, which is actually at the foothills between Mount Etna and the coast, um, where obviously it, they believe the vines originated. And some people say there are still some vines there that predate Phylloxera of Norello Mascalese planted on that plain. So it's near, sort of, towards um, the coast. Okay, well, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Because if you were a little little pest, little 
pesty little bug thing, mm. you would probably not want to be going too close to volcanoes and stuff. You're a bit vulnerable volcanoes to that. Volcanoes in the coast, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so they don't like sand either, phylloxera, so that right. sort of makes sense. So it's kind of like a little natural reserve that phylloxera. Yeah, little, little pool of the, the, the <laughs> I just imagine a, 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 yeah, a dinosaur now. <laughs> Small dinosaur digging through the vineyards with its little three fingers. It was a, it's a very special in, uh, impression that you were doing now. Yeah, Unfortunately, we are on the radio. But yeah, one day Sam will have a camera in here and I'll do that. And be like, what is she doing? It's my dinosaur impression. It's, yeah. it's not particularly good, I have to confess. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's often blended though. So obviously the prefix Norello indicates that it's a red variety because it's, it says it's black because Nero, black in Italian. And it's often blended with Norello Cappuccio, which is a regular blending partner, which is slightly fruitier and more accessible. Um, and But in terms of area under vine, it still dominates. So Norella mascalese is regarded as the possibly the, the finer of the two grape varieties. But it's also grown at really high altitude. So this is what you have to bear in mind. Sicily is quite warm. And you find that most of the Norello mascalese is grown at about 1,000 metres. So they're some of the highest vineyards in Europe. Okay. So yeah, over three thousand feet. So all these different um, varieties that you're you're you've mentioned. Yes, um, they're the, all indigenous. These are all indigenous. They are all unique varieties. It's not like it's just a different name for no, something else. No, no, these are unique varieties, and they are indigenous wow, to there's Sicily. Loads, isn't there? There's so so many. Which is why when you asked me it was a few weeks ago about how many grape varieties are there, I was like, oh good lord, I don't know if I have the maths. Yeah. I don't think I can add that up even with a calculator because they seem to be constant, and you'll discover more and more. So they discovered that. Norella mascalese, the recent DNA testing, is actually the offspring of Sangiovese, which is from Tuscany. Oh, okay. So the, the great variety that predominates in Chianti. So, so hold on, it's the offspring from Sangiovese. Yeah. So isn't it just Sangiovese then? No, it's the offspring of of Sangiovese, which we obviously have heard of, yeah. and a lesser known variety called Mantonico Bianco. And how did that happen? I have absolutely no idea because it's a good question. How did it get down there to Sicily? Did someone take it there? Did they cross it down there? When did that happen? How was many hundreds a, of years ago was it? Is, is it, it a natural? drunken night out? Yeah, or is it just that some great varieties grow up and they share DNA? Did a bird fly a long way and drop some seeds? Oh. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so there's, there's some sort of cross-pollination going on. Definitely some cross-pollination. How it's happened yeah. is... But it isn't, it isn't only grown on the slopes of Etna. It's also grown um, on sort of... You, you find it in Sicilian... Um, IGT is the equivalent of Van der Pey, really. So wines like that. And it's often blended with Nero Davila, which is another indigenous Italian grape variety. Um, but you also see it, see it so obviously Etna DOC, but also in Faro DOC, they blend it in that as well. And that's actually near the Messina and the port city of Messina in Sicily. But again, it's not as grown at such high altitude as on Etna, but it's still grown in the hills around the city. So it's still a degree of altitude because you want a wine that has some freshness. You don't want too much weight and heaviness because they could easily become like that because this climate is very warm. So growing at altitude just keeps the temperatures under control a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But as I said, it also makes some very nice rosés, makes really good rosés. And the only other place where you really see it grown in Italy is across the Straits of Messina in Calabria with some fairly unpronounceable DOCs. Oh, go on, try. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> Lamezia, 
Okay. Santana Diosila Capo Rizzuto. Do you know what? I think I think I'm sat with an Italian person now. This is amazing. <laughs> he lied unconvincingly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so but it does pop up because that's the other thing you'll discover. There's obviously wines that we know of and DOs and things like Chianti and even Etna Rosso or Etna Bianco that you can but there's loads and loads of little small DOs and DOCs and DOCGs throughout Italy and Spain that are names that you've like well, they must just sell it locally. Yeah, You're not sort of thing you find on your supermarket shelves. Do you know what? That was just going to be my next question because there's so many of these different little tiny sort of patches almost yeah. that, are, that would we ever get a chance to try them here? And if so, where do we get them? How can we get our hands on these things? Sometimes you will find them here. So specialist merchants, smaller wine merchants will often have interesting things with indigenous varieties from around Italy. I mean, they are, I suppose, to a certain extent, fairly niche, but you do see them. You see them on wine lists, even wines from Sicily and stuff now. It's becoming more and more common to see it in those sort of places, but usually through specialist merchants. But there's a couple of really good growers you can look for. People like Gracci. Alberto Gracci was originally a banker in Milan and grew up in Sicily and had family vineyards there, but decided banking wasn't for him and went down and started to really hone the family vineyards and became a winemaker. And there's another producer called Kos, which people have seen. Um, Donna Fagata, people like that, they all grow wines on Etna. So you you see a little bit more Etna Rosso than you used to um, and Etna Rosado, yeah. So if I, for theoretically, if I was to go down to, oh, I don't know, maybe the meter market, mm-hmm. Cookham Dean, yeah. on a Friday, yes, between nine and midday? About that, yeah. Would I, 30 and 1. Would I find like a specialist little... You what? could, you might find a specialist little wine person, yeah. Would I? Yeah. And what might I, would I get anything from Sicily there maybe once in a while? Once in a while, maybe. Although I have to say, everyone <laughs> has bought all the Etna wines. They've been very popular lately. Right. Yeah. So I might have to go down on a Friday to the meter market in Cook and Dean. Yeah. Just off the Cricket Dean, yeah? Potentially find some Etna Rosado. Right. Maybe not not this Friday. Maybe another Friday. (laughs) 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 But yes, if you find specialist merchants, I mean, the the joy of the UK and the internet is that, well, firstly, the UK has wines from all over the world in it, um, and the internet helps you find them, so... If you Google Etna Rosso UK, mm-hmm. yep, or even Norello Mascalese UK, Etna Rosso is easier to spell. Right, well, I'll go for that one. Yeah. Um, do you know, the regular question here, this is a normal question. Go on. One of my uh, regular questions, if you were to compare... Yes. Um, Norello Mascalese... Yeah. ...to something more sort of, um, uh, not, I don't want to say popular, but more well common, known. well-known, what would it be? Probably Pinot Noir or Nebbiolo. Okay. From yeah, from northern Italy, because so, stylistically you can get fairly decent tannin in it, um, but lots of them are made to be more accessible. So usually the stuff from the older vines, as usual, is stuff that's more concentrated. You've got the same freshness of acidity, but they're not sort of deep, dark, inky wines. They have they're, they're a little bit paler, so they they sit on that spectrum yeah. of sort of red fruits, slightly less tannin, nice fresh acidity, yeah, slightly earthy, nuanced character. How wonderful. And do you know what I'm thinking now? I'm really wondering, I wonder what sort of cuisines you would go for. I mean, if any any we could find out. We might play some music and then we might do some menu matching, Brian. Oh my goodness. Menu match next. We're going to tell us exactly what cuisines we get. I am going to tell you what cuisines we get. Oh, don't miss that. Stay with River Radio. Come on now, you know you want to. Chocks away. A bottle of red Perhaps a bottle of rosé In 
instead Get a table near the street In our old familiar place You and I face to face
Music. Was my first love. Music. 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 Across the Thames Valley. This is River Radio. Get us in the mood, we did some Billy Joel then. So scenes from an Italian restaurant. Is that what that was called? Yeah. Do you know what? I wondered why I was in the mood. Yeah, exactly. See, subliminal. That was subliminal. It was very cunning. Do you know, it works, doesn't it? Hey. (laughs) Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? So, So, we're in Sicily. We're in Sicily still, yeah. We're going to match the menu, the cuisine that goes, all these Italian wines. I mean, we're going to... Do you find this? Okay, this is a complete... Yeah. Digression. All right. We always say cuisine, don't we? Yeah. But cuisine's a French word. What do you use for like Spanish and Italian? Comida. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now you now you might have pushed me beyond my comfort zone. Uh-huh. Yeah. Comida. But it is what we kind of we've, we've taken the word as our own, haven't we? Really. Well, I think you know we do that with a lot. We we pinch a lot of um, yeah. vocab from general places, don't we? We yeah. just we. I mean, that's generally what we do. We I think just we do pinch yeah. stuff. We're quite badly behaved like that. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. So, um, yeah, so we're going to be looking at uh, Norello uh, Mascalese. Yes. <laughs> and all those other things as well, I imagine, will sort of, you know, those those small, unique, little varieties all around the same area yeah. that are red, I, I'm guessing they're similar in a way, so they'll have the similar sort of cuisine yep. that will go with it. Yep, so if, if you don't find a Norello Mascalese... Then, or an Etna Rosso, then you want to try a Nero Davila, which are often more easy to find, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, because it would probably work in a similar way, although those wines tend to be a little bit more robust in character, potentially with a little bit more alcohol as well. But lots of the foods will be similar. So what we're going to do today yeah. is we're going to imagine, obviously, that we're in Sicily, because yeah. that's not too hard, given the heat we're in. But what I want you to do is think... What sort of food do you reckon a Mediterranean island would be good at producing, sort of naturally, sort of domestically? Well, the first thing that springs to mind is, is just the fish, because in Mediterranean exactly. they have fish. But we're talking about reds. Reds and fish, it just doesn't work. I, I genuinely didn't even prime you, and you come up with the right answer. I'm so happy. Now, so basically, the joy of Norella Mascalese is you can actually chill it slightly. So here's my first recommendation that's a little bit off-piste. Ooh, so we've been off the beaten track, we're now going off-piste. You can try serving it just slightly chilled. So not too chilled, say 17 to 18 degrees. So just take the edge off it, which makes it actually a really nice red for the summer. So mm-hmm. on a warmer day. But it also, because it's lighter in tannin and doesn't produce big, big, huge, inky wines a lot of the time means that it works nicely with fish as a red wine, especially if it's lightly chilled. But also the rosés work brilliantly with fish. Rosés I can see, but the reds I'm still to be convinced. Yeah. So well, see, let's go to Sardinia. So in Sardinia, okay. obviously they have lots of shellfish and crustaceans and different sorts of fish, but particularly oily fish is one of their main sources of protein, I guess. So sardines, mackerel, things like that. Yeah. Now think about a red wine with good acidity. Yeah, because... That, that's just a bit of a, a heavier flavour. It's not quite as delicate or yeah. as light as some of the other possible yeah. potential and seafood and stuff. And it's also what the fish is served with. So the other things that places like Sicily are really good at, because it's hot and sunny and Mediterranean, are tomatoes, mm-hmm. peppers, aubergines, lots of herbs, quite strongly flavoured herbs as well. 
mountain herbs and things like rosemary, thyme, those kind of flavours. Strong cheeses, both with sheep and cow's milk, potentially goat's milk, but more sheep and cow there. And obviously outstanding pasta. So if you're throwing some fish into the equation or even shellfish with tomato or aubergine and those kind of richer flavours and lots of herbs, the other flavours in the dish mean that a red wine will work. Do you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking of, a, of all those vegetables that you just mentioned mm. in a lasagna. Yeah. With some goat cheese or something on yeah. top. Ooh. See? And now suddenly a red wine's just order of the day. Wouldn't it be nice? It would be really nice. Okay. Okay, so that's the sort of thing you do. So because it's lighter in tannins, you can chill it slightly. And that's, that's a rule of thumb that you can apply to other red wines. Things that often have slightly less tannin can be chilled slightly. And actually a chilled red wine. And also if you're in the Mediterranean often... If you're having the food from the region, even though it's a warm day, you'll drink the wine of the region as well. So a red wine isn't completely off the cards. We tend to really, I suppose, we're biased to go towards... A, 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 a white or... Yeah, white or, or rosé when it's warmer. Just because we, we are but with accustomed food, to having it cold. Yeah, and with food, there's a slightly different dynamic. But yeah, chill it slightly, maybe decant it briefly just to open it up a little bit more and yeah have it with things with tomatoes and peppers and oily fish now this is this is one of the ones you can decant quite quickly is that's to do with tannins no this this is just to open it up really you don't want to do it you're decanting it before you're going to consume it usually yeah yeah so it's just to get the air through it and open it up really okay but but sometimes you so you're not actually just letting it breathe Breathe for any length of time it doesn't need to breathe for too long yeah it works quite well it's a short decant so you're not it's not sort of a really structured well they are still good structured but they're not sort it's not a big heavy wine that would just benefit from a lot more air so that's why okay yeah all right then um okay can we can we go like more toward we talked about all the posh stuff yeah let's go more towards my sort of cuisine so pizza 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 perfect in fact it's pizza crisps yeah, I was going to ask, prawn cocktail. <laughs> well, weirdly, things like roast pork, stuffed sardines, tuna, meatballs, sort of swordfish with tomatoes, that sort of, it, it's a paler fish, That's it's a meaty structured yeah. fish. Tuna's quite a meaty fish. They work really well with it. But then you can stick sort of sweet sour flavours in as well. Things like capers, olives, that sort of thing. So I think caponata, have you ever had caponata? No. Oh, well, I might have done, but I don't, what is it? So it's, it's like a sauce that they, it's like a, oh, it's hard to describe. You get it, it's an antipasti sometimes in Italy and it's aubergine and tomatoes with capers and olives and things. Delicious. It's sort of sweet and sour going sauce. on all at the same time. Sort of, but you can eat it as a dish on its own. Uh-huh. You can have it chilled or warm. I've had it cold and, and warm. It's really delicious. Okay. So that sort of tangy, sweet and sour thing, it works really well with. But then if you want to go more veggie... Um, roasted carrots and peppers sort of and stuffed peppers things like shallots and onions so if you can stick all these on a pizza brian you can yeah exactly and you know saying tangy and peppery i'm thinking do you remember knickknacks oh my goodness sweet and sour you remember remember that well they were hot and hot and spicy knickknacks yes yeah but they weren't even crisp they're like blobs of batter or something i don't know they were sort of nodgly like a twiglet but solid yeah yes irregular they were very regular. I have to confess, I quite liked a knick-knack yeah. when I was at university. And I think that might be the perfect I love that I was describing match. that and you went, knick-knack. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, yeah, nail on the head. Completely. There we go. So you can get all your poshed Sicilian even, sauces and dishes. Or even, you less, even less, did the knick-knacks still exist? I hope so. I don't know. I haven't seen them for a while. Because even if it's not a knick-knack, then perhaps you could go with... Frazzle? 
that sort of smoky character because you're in a volcanic wine remember so you've got that umami thing going on yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> frazzle <laughs> frazzle i can't believe that i manage every week to just drag you to down. drag me drag me down to your just, level just get you actually talking about different varieties of it's, common it's changed snack. my life oh i bet i bet oh yeah Okay, um, so where are we? I think it's almost time, isn't it, to start thinking about... Challenging me. Challenging Kath. And, oh, dear. Um, oh I've run, dear. I've Can I just say one more thing, though? Of course you can. I have a couple of favourite things that go with Norello Mascarese. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so wild mushroom and aubergine phyllo parcel, parcels, or with pastry. So you make, like, a mix of wild mushrooms and aubergine, and you stuff it inside little pastry parcels, almost like a little pasty. Yeah. And delicious. Is that like the just the earthiness yeah, of the... Yeah, and it works really, really well. Okay. And sort of linguine with tomato and clams. Oh. And easy, easy peasy. Really easy. What, so, what to, to make linguine with tomato and clams? Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Or you could do it with mussels. Yeah. You, obviously, you have to get the seafood. <laughs> but, yeah. And the linguine and the tomatoes. But you'd use but any pasta, couldn't you? A linguine's just flat spaghetti. Come on. Oh, do you know what? Try telling that to the masters of linguine makers from Sicily. <laughs> yes, I'm sure they'll be delighted with that comment. I'll be, I'll be, I won't be allowed to buy it anymore. <laughs> I've been excommunicated from purchasing it. Yeah, it's just flat spaghetti. <laughs> just flat spaghetti. <laughs> um, that probably would actually really offend someone. <laughs> I might have diver- taken you away. Did I digress enough there to take you away from not challenging me? No, no, Damn. no. I've got a challenge. And do you Damn. know what? I have to just say that I've tried it with the wine. It's not working. I can't, I can't challenge you on that. I'm going to uh, just change <laughs> the find rules. something random. Yeah. Oh, well, it'll be God. random in as much as it's something we're talking about in general. Okay. But it's not going to be wine anymore because it's too hard to find difficult questions for you. I'll be honest. Okay. All right. All right. I better play the music then. Oh, gosh. Do I have to do it? Oh, yeah. I really have to do it. Oh, yeah. Really have to do it. (laughs) In a world where questions need to be answered, one person will answer the questions that are being asked in the question challenge Kath round. There we go. There we go. Is that a big enough build up? That was an amazing build up. Okay. And I hate to think what you're going to be asking me this week. Okay then. So, um, as I said, it's not going to be whiny because I'm running out of stuff to get you on that. So we've been talking about volcanoes. We have been talking about volcanoes. Okay. So which is the largest volcano known to man? Oh, good God. You can play that music again if you want. Dun, dun. I have no idea. Oh. The largest volcano in this man. Where are there volcanoes that, that's alive, that's doing its thing? I don't know if it's alive. I don't know. I mean, Hawaii's I'm... got lots of volcanoes, hasn't it? It has. Yep, 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 yep. If you know the answer, you've got like literally seconds to help Kath. You can text. Yeah. Oh, no, you can't text. You can go on the web and uh, email things, or you can go on the mobile app, which yes. is uh, River... Radio Live. River Radio Live, so you've got to search. Or you can just go to Alexa and say, Alexa, play River Radio Live. I don't know, can you send a text from Alexa? I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. Can you say, Alexa, text River Radio Live? Try it. You, what you got it to might lose? work, yeah. Might work, probably won't. But Largest volcano. Known to man. Known to man. Or mankind. I don't, is that PC? Can you say mankind? Person kind. Person kind, human kind. Human kind. Known to humankind. Creature kind. Um, <laughs> well, it applies to them as well, doesn't it? I absolutely, genuinely, I have no idea. 
I'm, it's going to be something I'm going to go, oh, yes, I should have known that, isn't it? Well, it might be. Okay, I'm just going to check the email, see if there's anybody helping you out, see if there's any text coming in. Okay. No one's helping me at the Let's moment. Let's have a look. We've got a couple coming see, in. See, I always mix up volcanoes and mountains. <laughs> no, okay, well, I'll give you a clue. The volcano's <laughs> got the smoke coming out the top. There's quite a lot in Argentina as well. Yeah. And there's some live ones there, I believe. But All no, right. go yeah, on. I, take, let, me take, out my, let me out my misery, please. Take a guess. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be kind enough to go. You can, ju- you can pick a continent or, a, or, or, or anything. Asia. Looking at me like, no, she's totally wrong. Europe. <laughs> I just start listing off continents. You are close. I'm close in that I'm on the globe. No, in fact, you're not close. It's not on this planet. It's on Mars. Oh, the you, largest you cheeky monkey. <laughs> the largest volcano known to human man, humankind. Creature kind. Creature kind. Well, no, maybe, maybe not. Maybe there's no creatures there. Martian kind. Well, we, we've been there. We've, well, I say we've been there. Some little camera thing on wheels has the been Mars there. The Mars rover. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's called Olympus Mons, and it's an enormous volcano on planet Mars. 21. You want to know something crazy? Yeah. I was trying to figure out whether Mount Olympus was a mountain or a volcano. And that came up. And I just went, oh, I'm not dealing with Mars. Well, that, that'll learn me. Won't it? I should have read that. Oh, you can always learn something. So, yes, it's, um, it's on Mars. Olympus Mons. Fascinating. Not only do you get all that wine information, but random facts about the universe and solar system. Well, I'm never going to forget that now. There you go. Pop quiz, I'm in there. <laughs> well, look out for next week's challenge cast because it will be just as arbitrary as I randomly We've choose. We've now gone to fact. where they don't make any wine. <laughs> yeah. Mars, thank you, Brian. I wonder what the um, if you could actually get some Mars soil. And I'm being silly now, but are we, we could the... add it to your volcano in your garden to make ice wine. But I wonder if there'll be a completely different. Is it really cold on Mars? I, um, I think it can get really cold, but it's also can get really Mars. cold. There you go. Ice wine on Mars. There's a goal for you. There's got to be a market for that, hasn't exactly. there? Exactly. Anyway, my wine of the week. Oh yeah, I suppose we should. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Norello Mascalese. Okay. I'm gonna go with the Etna Rosso from Gracchi. Right. But also the Etna. Okay, I have two. Mm-hmm. They they do a really nice Etna Rosato as well, which is really lovely, and it's a different colour to sort of Provence Rosé. It's more of an onion skin colour. So it looks more golden than pink pink. So it's a very different style of wine, but it's delicious, but it's still pale and delicious. Do you know what I want to do now? I want to go after the show, go and sit in the garden. Eat some food, drink some wine. And have a, a, a nice cool rosé. Mind yeah. you, is it raining out there? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I'll have to get an umbrella or something or a cover. I know. The rain is back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, you've been listening to Uncorked with myself, Brian and Kath. Tomorrow. Tomorrow with a radio. It's Friday. It is. The weekend so we- is here. What have we got coming up? The morning brew. Yep. So you might find out what's in James's box. Oh, how exciting. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Up then, next. Up